Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I want to hear cannons! Temple mode dropping the throw. Winston out again. Throws to the left. It's intercepted at the 35. Outside the numbers to the 40. To the 35. To the 30. To the 25. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Mike Edwards. Touchdown Tampa Bay. That's the dagger, my friend. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're listening to Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening. You're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Fire the cannons and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Live on YouTube today following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Week 10 victory in Munich, Germany over the Seattle Seahawks. Your final score in that one, 21-16. Tampa Bay improves their record on the season to 5-5 five and five now as they get a week off. They enter their bye week for the 2022 NFL season. And for a Bucs team that just two weeks ago was 3-5, and five, looking down the barrel at 3-6, and six, they have gone out and made a statement these past few weeks. They finally got rid of the LA Rams in low-scoring fashion last week. And uh, there were some, some execution errors that we'll talk about this week. But uh, the offense showed us... Some pretty massive improvement, and I will say the run game has been the most effective it has been since week one of the NFL season. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host for the day from BucksNation.com, James Hill joins the podcast. Bucks are 5-5. Five and five. How are we feeling after that, my friend? You know, I'm pretty good, man. Uh, you know, we, we actually just came back from my channel where I was live here at Mr. Bucks Nation on YouTube, was able to have a really fun stream there. You know, you said it. The offense showed signs of life, and the run game looked the best. It has looked literally the entire, not just this season, Rhett, but like many seasons, you know, the past couple of seasons. I mean, you had Leonard Fournette and Rashad White making so, so many plays. It was a fantastic thing to see. Seattle did have a little bit of a comeback in the second half, but overall I thought the defense performed well, and it was a very good win. Second win in a row against a pretty decent team in Seattle. And the Buccaneers now going to the bye week with a 5-5 five and five record. Uh, much needed 500 record right now for the Bucs. And now they have some time to kind of take, uh, you know, some stuff from the first half of the season, reflect on it, and possibly make adjustments for a playoff push. Yeah, I think a lot of things went right for Tampa Bay in that game out there today. It was an odd start, and it was a slow, familiar start for a lot of people. The Bucs opened up the first NFL drive in Germany with a good old-fashioned three and out. Um, Jalen Darden had basically slipped on the kick return and only 
only brought it up to barely past the 10 yard line and uh, just a couple of execution errors, guys not making catches. And before you know it, the Bucks were off the field and people were feeling the same as they have been. Um, we went into this game hoping for some answers from the offense and it was a slow first quarter, but uh, things surely changed here in the second quarter as we saw two second quarter touchdowns by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One of them was Julio Jones, who really showed up today. He became the first player in NFL history to find the end zone in Germany in what felt like one of the most epic 31-yard touchdown runs I have ever seen in my life. Plenty of yards after the catch for big number six Julio Jones. And for a guy who has been so highly criticized up until this point in the season because of his durability or lack thereof, uh, that was a pretty good moment for Julio, and and I think that got a lot of people fired up because you didn't see many plays like this so far this season. Yeah, I think that Julio really, I mean, I, I would say it's his best game as a buck so far this year just because we haven't seen much of him, unfortunately. But Julio did did a really good job in this game. You know, he, he had a couple of really nice plays in some pretty difficult situations. As you said, the touchdown that he had had, um, we talked about this, was very reminiscent of the Rashad Perriman touchdown that he had, uh, you know, last year versus the Buffalo Bills. Very similar play, um, and it it works for the Bucs, you know, in those situations. So very happy for Julio Jones that he was able to get that. Hopefully he can stay a little bit healthier and build off of this momentum that he's made for himself because all in all, he had a pretty decent game, and that was a great thing to see. Yeah, Chris Godwin, your leading receiver on the day as we talk about the offensive side of the ball. Six receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown for Chris Godwin. Now, would you believe me if I told you that was his first touchdown of the entire 2022 season? No, I I probably wouldn't. Uh, You know, that was pretty surprising. Yes, Godwin, you know, he's been dealing with injuries and whatnot, but the first touchdown um, of the season for Chris Godwin, that's that's pretty surprising um like you said godwin he was obviously the leading receiver he's still recovering from injuries as well and he's talked about that i was feeling better every single week um and this is good if this is what we're going to start seeing out of you know these guys jones being healthier making some plays godwin getting healthier making some plays it's a great sign for the remainder of this season you know i really think that those two guys were able to really rebound in a huge huge way in this game which was as I said, fantastic to see. Yeah, as we talk about the receivers, uh, Mike Evans, big number 13, five catches for 54 yards. Kind of saw that connection with him and Brady show up a few times today. Kate Otten, three catches for 35 yards. Scotty Miller, a couple of big-time catches, two catches for 25 yards. And I, I don't think it can be understated just how critical both of those catches were for Tampa Bay. The first one was uh, on a third and one. And I'll tell you, we talk about the difference being made on on the offense for Tampa Bay today. Third down was the difference. The Bucs were just so much better on third down today and in conversions in general than they have been the entire year. And that's in the long run, one of the reasons they were able to be so effective on that side of the ball. But Scotty Miller, hell of a throw by Tom Brady off his back foot, having to kind of, you know, fit it up and over the defender and Scotty to turn around and reel that thing in and then he had that squirrely catch over the middle later on that same drive that set up the Leonard Fournette touchdown carry but for Scotty Miller two weeks in a row he's had some big time catches he he played a major role in that game winning drive against LA last week so Brady you know obviously getting a little more comfortable throwing it around in the pocket didn't have to throw it 60 times today only 29 for TB12 we'll get to his stat line here in a second but I think Scotty is is starting to earn some some more report with Tom Brady in this Bucks offense. 
Yeah, you know, just real quick, I want to mention it. The Bucks today were 10 of 15 on third down. Uh, that's good for 67%. So a really, really good job from third town. Um, we'll talk about it more in a moment, but they had a lot of very manageable third downs in this game, which I thought was great. Uh, Scotty Miller definitely stepped up. He had a couple of really nice catches. He had one incredible catch, which was you know probably one of his better catches of his career, you know, not including some of the stuff with, you know, the Packers championship game and all that stuff that everybody likes to talk about. Um, yeah, Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller has stepped up uh, in a couple of situations, which is, you know, I guess surprising. I was down on Scotty Miller coming out of the preseason and training camp and whatnot uh, to the point where I didn't think he was necessarily going to make this roster over a guy, maybe like Tyler Johnson um, or, you know, some of these other wide receivers. But they decided to keep him, um, which was a little, which was surprising to me. And they're still using him and he's still making a couple of plays here and there. And he talked about it last week against the Rams. He had a couple of really, really nice plays on that final drive this week. He had a couple of nice plays in there as well. Um, It's just been interesting to see, you know, it's nothing flashy, you know, it's nothing like, you know, Sky Miller isn't popping off for a hundred yards, but he is making a couple of clutch plays, a couple of clutch catches here and there. Um, that are important for the box. So I think that that is good that he is getting a couple of those opportunities in those situations. Not only are those catches important for the box, but it's important for Scotty because the biggest criticism he has had, and I mean, listen, excuse me, he's faced criticism from this podcast before. You know, he's never been the type of guy to make those gritty catches. You know, if you need a big time third down conversion and you need a physical catch, I mean, Scotty is, you know, five foot nothing. So you're not going to get that much of a physical presence from him. But yeah, just like you said, he has been stepping it up these last few weeks. And even though these catches are situational, it's not like he had 150 yards and two touchdowns on the day. It's just a third and one reception. But, you know, the Bucks scored points on that drive. And uh, I think a lot of it had to do with Scotty Miller coming up and making those catches. We talked about the receivers before we talk about the run game. Let's talk about the quarterback, Tom Brady. His day looked like this. 22 for 29. I I don't know if you can take a look at some recent box scores, but this is the lowest number of pass attempts I have seen for Tom Brady in quite a few weeks. 22 for 29, 258 yards, two touchdowns, and unfortunately, an interception. And that wasn't the only interception on the day, as Leonard Fournette was your other passer. He went 0 for 1 with zero yards, zero touchdowns. And an interception. Uh, Let's talk about Tom Brady before we talk about that play call from whoever was involved. I don't want to point fingers on what happened there, but uh, Tom Brady, you know, a couple of errant throws, like it's really unfortunate that interception that he had because he had 400 completed passes in a row. He was three passes away from tying the, uh, from tying the record with Aaron Rodgers for most completed passes in a row without an interception in NFL history. And uh, he could have broken the record, but he comes up just short. And it was just a bad throw. I mean, I don't know what you can say. You know what I mean? He should have seen the linebacker. He tried to get it up and over him. I think he underthrew it a little bit. It was an athletic play by the backer to bring it in. And he's had a couple of dropped picks like that so far this year. That one got him, unfortunately. But, um, you know, aside from that, he made all the throws he needed, right? Julio Jones able to connect with him on a drag route across the field, take that 31 yards to the house. And then that other catch uh, that really, really, or two other catches that I can think of were Tom thrown over to the left side of the field. One of them was to Mike Evans in the middle of traffic, kind of on a crossing route. And then the other one was a similar route to Chris Godwin, who was on the sideline. And he kind of jumped up and and made the snag with one hand. 
some athletic plays by your wide receivers, but I, I thought, you know, Tom was still making some throws and his arm still looks fine for another week in a row. Yeah, I thought Tom did fine in this game. Not fine. Tom did good in this game, right? I really do believe that. And I just checked, by the way, Rhett, this is the second least amount of passes that Tom Brady has thrown this season. Um, before this, uh, so in week one versus Dallas, he threw 27, okay? Before this game, the second least amount of passes that he threw was 34 against New Orleans in week two. So it's been a little while since Tom Brady has thrown this few passes, considering we are in week 10. It's been two months. Um, but overall, I thought Brady did good. Like you said, the interception, that was unfortunate, right? He didn't see the linebacker. It almost happened earlier in the game, too, with Jordan Brooks, uh, which was, you know, certainly certainly an unfortunate thing to see there. But all in all, I thought Brady did did good. I feel like he was able to make some really tough throws. His wide receivers made some really tough catches as well. Um, and I thought that this was a, a good Tom Brady game. You know, I, I really do believe that he looked good. His offensive line provided some pretty good protection for him as well. And uh, he was able, like you said, um, to play some, you know, complimentary football to what he was getting from the running game, which I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But the interception was unfortunate. He was three passes away from tying that record with Aaron Rodgers. You do hate to see it, but hey, I mean, you know. It's Tom Brady. He has like every other record in the book. Yeah, no kidding, man. 100,000 plus career passing yards for TV 12. What more is there to be said? You know, today was the kind of day that I, I mentioned at the start of the show. I talked about it a little bit over on your live stream. Like this is what the Buccaneers coaching staff has wanted this offense to look like all season long. Uh, aside from the cutesy play calling, which is going to bite you in the ass. Um, aside from that. You know, they were much better at executing on third down. And there were a couple of play calls that I thought Rashad White being your running back one today, by the way. We'll talk about that when we talk about the run game here in a second. But, you know, there were just some things that they did well on the offensive side of the ball. And at the end of the day, it was enough for them to win this football game. It, it put the defense in, uh, in, in much less of a high pressure situation. You know what I mean? You're not constantly giving up a terrible field position and giving Seattle a short field to go out there and get it. And even with the turnovers, they did enough to win. And, th and that's saying something. And a lot of those are going to be chalked up to execution errors. We talked about the Brady bad throw. And then that play call, uh, which we'll talk about after we talk about the run game. But I do want to give some praise to the run game here while we talk about it. The title of this episode is Buccaneers running wild in Germany. That's exactly what they did. This is the most offensive production we have seen from the run game all season. Everyone got involved. Rashad White led the day 22 carries for Rashad White 105 yards averaging 4.8 yards per carry it's a shame he couldn't find the end zone they certainly tried there a couple of times with some scoring chances but Leonard Fournette had 14 carries for 57 yards 4.1 yards per carry he also found the end zone to put the Bucks up 14 to nothing in that second quarter and Leonard Fournette also not only had some passport troubles this week but he left the game early with injury so that's going to be something to monitor now with the bye week it is, you know, if you're going to lose a guy to injury, I guess this is the week to do it, even though you hate to see it. But uh, he left the game with a hip injury designation at the end of it. He was wrapped up on the sideline getting some ice. So maybe this bye week is going to do him a favor. But between Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, and Keyshawn Vaughn, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ran the ball 38 times today with the running backs. That's got to be a season high as well. When we talk about Brady having close to a season low in passing attempts, I can't remember the last time the Bucs had over 30 rushing attempts on the ground, but uh, 
this run game was a huge part as to why this offense was so successful today. What do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, you, you take a look at the running game, and, and it was, I mean, absolutely stellar. You know, I'm, I'm taking a look here to see if the Bucks have had – no, I mean, even in, even in Dallas, I think they ran it maybe 20 – uh, eight times, maybe something along those lines. So I don't even think in Dallas they were running the ball this much. Uh, I thought the running game was absolutely fantastic. Stellar, blown away, you know, by this running game. Uh, Leonard Fournette, 14 carries, 57 yards, like you said. And I thought that this was a good bounce back game for Fournette. Me and you had talked about this, and I talked about this with Trevor Sikkim on my channel. Fournette needed this game. He needed a bounce back game to prove, hey, I deserve more opportunities Give me the ball more because I I can make plays. And he did that. Now, it's unfortunate that he was dealt that hip injury because he was having a good game. But it's also a little bit of a tricky situation, too, because, I mean, shoot, even before Leonard Fournette was out of the game, Rashad White was making plays, too. 22 carries, 105 yards, like you said, 4.8 yards carry. Still outgained Fournette, even despite, you know, having to get more carries. Rashad White... Looked great. A long of 29, he stiff-armed Quandre Diggs into the shadow realm. I mean, it was a it was a really good day by both running backs. This this is, you know, this is the type of offensive game plan I'm sure the Bucks coaching staff wants to try and implement every week. And Rhett, um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk about it in terms of the, um, you know, play calling section of this. But they ran the ball a lot especially on first down. And again, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But the point is, is that both those running backs did good in white and in Fournette and even Keyshawn Vaughn. People are going to forget. Uh, it, what was it, Red? Like a third and 10 with like a, only a handful of minutes left, like yeah. maybe three and a half minutes, something along those lines. Vaughn caught a pass and Jordan Brooks fell. Again, that's also credit to the field, but he was able to get that first down. All three running backs, I think, stepped up in their own ways, more so White and Fournette. I think both those guys should be getting a game ball, uh, even a little bit of Vaughn as well. Yeah, I think this breakout game from Rashad White is what a lot of people have been waiting for. And it was it, it took a lot of people by surprise uh, because the the Rashad White running back one argument has, has been there for the last two weeks. And he started the game today. He was he was out there on the first drive, even though they went three and out. Lenny came in on the second series and and. You know, Rashad White kind of got the nod to start the game. So people have been waiting for that. But it gives you faith that not only is this guy a rookie and he's out here contributing, but he I I think he was a big, big difference today for Tampa Bay uh, just in the offense. I think the more we see of him in this offense, the better it has gone. So uh, I like it. I, I do like it a lot. Before we talk about the defense as well, I want to give some credit to that front five, the offensive linemen, all of them, Donovan Smith, um, Nick Leverett. Robert Hainsey at the center position, Shaq Mason, Tristan Wirfs. Those guys were studs today. Um, you know, the blocking has been good. Nick Leverett did have the mistake early on in the game, uh, had that one flag that, you know, brought the play back. But, I mean, realistically, Tom had a lot of time to throw today when he was dropping back to throw. Uh, there was a couple of times where, you know, his first read wasn't there, his second read wasn't there, his third read wasn't there. He's jumping back and forth, looking all over the field, and he had time in the pocket to sit there and make a decision. And you don't always have that. And uh, I think the consistency from a guy like Nick Leverett is what's helping this unit here as, as the weeks go on. But we got to make sure the offensive line gets their credit today too, man. They were a big part of, uh, of what went well on offense. You know, as you say, Rhett, uh, famously here on the show, uh, give them their roses, give them their flowers, you know, 
uh, because the offensive line really did step up. I mean, not just in pass blocking, but obviously in run blocking, considering how well the Bucks rushing attack was able to do in this game. Um, I think a lot of guys stepped up. I think that Nick Leverett's one of those guys where, much like Rashad White, heck, did Nick Leverett earn himself a starting spot for the remainder of the season in this game? It's possible for sure. Um, I think they you really have to. W- I, sorry to cut you off there, but I think if you're the Bucks coaching staff and, you know, we've seen the difference. This This kid passes the eye test. And he's been in it for three weeks. He's been one of the highest graded offensive players we have. I mean, why the hell not? If everything's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, so I, I think that the offensive line was able to step up in a big way. It seems like with Nick Leverett, and obviously it's not just Nick Leverett. I mean, like you said, all the guys, Donovan Smith, uh, Hainsey, Mason, Wirfs, those guys are all stepping up as well. You get Leverett in there and you're getting more juice. Seems like you're getting some better play in there as well. I think that's certainly saying something. So Leverett's one of those guys that I think has definitely earned him a lot of opportunities moving forward, which I think is a great thing to see out of a young guy. And really, the offensive line was one of the stars of today. Absolutely. Now, we have pretty much talked about the offense and and what they were able to do well this week, hoping to build on that coming out of the bye week here. Two weeks from now, they'll be taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. We'll also have our Cannon Fire Watch Party that week at Berry House, so we'll get some more info on that here for you guys coming up. But, um, you know, we talk about the defense, and I want to talk a lot about what won Tampa Bay this game, and time of possession was one of those. So we look at some other stats here. Third down efficiency and time of possession won Tampa Bay this game. So 37 minutes and two seconds of possession for the Bucks, as opposed to Seattle's 22 minutes and 58. And then Tampa Bay was 10 for 16 on third down, like you had mentioned. Seattle just won for nine on third down and the defense is a hundred percent the reason for that this defense has gotten so much better at just getting off of the field like they've been good all year long but with Seattle throwing the ball as much as they did today they only ran it 14 times between Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker you know the defense stepped up today they were able to get off of the field and they were able to make some stops I know it was I know it got a little leaky towards the end but you know, if the offense doesn't get cute and the play calling doesn't do, doesn't do what it did, it, we're not talking about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's one of those things where I, I thought the defense really balled out today. Well, one important thing to make a note of, too, is like what you said, there wasn't as much pressure on the defense in this game because the Bucks led the entire game. So that was that was good for the defense to be able to not have that pressure on them throughout the entirety of the game, like what we've seen in similar, you know, in past games so far this year. And... <clears throat> They stepped up in a big, big way, Rhett. You know, we'll get into some specific guys in a moment, but past defense, I thought they did some good work. In the second half, things got a little bit iffy. Run defense, this looked like the Bucks' run defense of old. And, and hey, Kenneth Walker's a very, very good rookie. He is one of the top candidates for offensive rookie of the year, uh, given, some, you know, you know all the players that are out there right now competing for that. So I thought the Bucs did a really good job. Uh, Seattle was able to make some adjustments. The Bucs, not so much on the defensive side of things in the second half, rather. But that first half, I thought they were lights out. They, they really were lights out. They were able to, to really play a very, very good game. And I think on all levels, the defense performed well today. There were some couple of guys who didn't play too great. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But all in all, defense, really good. And it's something that I feel like hasn't been talked about enough so far this year, Rhett. Me and you have talked about it a pretty decent amount. This defense has been good. Even in games where they're losing, you know, obviously the Bucs are five and five. 
the defense hasn't been the biggest issue on this team. Even in losses, they've been playing some decent football. So I definitely think that this defense is going out there. They're continuing to show up. They're continuing to play some really good football, and it helped them in a big way get a win today. Absolutely. We take a look at the stat sheet, and um, you want to talk about an inspiring performance for this defense. I think this linebacker had a lot to do with it. Number 45, the captain, Devin White, your leading tackler. Eight tackles, one assist, two sacks on the day, a couple of tackle for losses. I mean, he was all over the place today, and for good reason. Um, you know, everybody knows what happens in these players' personal lives, and Devin White unfortunately lost his father at the ripe age of 45 this week. So uh, he was playing with a chip on his shoulder. He didn't have to go out there and play, but he is a guy who's been in the hot seat these past couple of weeks. He's been trying to turn things around, and... Um, you know, he played one of his best games of the season today. Like, they, you, you got to give him his credit. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, this is, first off, you know, condolences to Devin White. That is that is tragic, you know. But uh, Devin White, this looked like the Devin White we saw in week one. That got him that NFC Defensive Player of the Month. It's actually really weird how similar this game was to that Dallas Cowboys game in terms of just offensive and defensive guys and whatnot. But uh, Demo White now is second on the team in sacks with five, still behind Vita Vea with six and a half. But uh, Demo White had a great game. You know, I thought that he was all over the field. He was actually very sure tackling for most of the game. Um, G Vegas, the overall, moderator, brings it up, said he was very disciplined today, and, and that was a welcome change. There were a couple of tackles where, you know, Devin White made the tackle even though they got the first down, and he wasn't jumping up, beating his chest immediately. He wasn't yelling at everybody on the field. He did seem a little more locked in if you will this week yeah and you know i i definitely i definitely think that you know this is a good bounce back game this is a good bounce back game, game for a lot of guys Fournette, white a lot of guys were able to take last week's win use it in their favor i feel like uh and really get some momentum back in their favor white being one of the biggest benefactors i think on the defensive side after today's game really really solid game from devin white yeah, we take a look at the secondary. We'll talk about the pass rush here in a second. But I wanted to talk about Jamel Dean, um, who kind of had his handfuls today, hands full today with DK Metcalf. And let's not forget, these guys have history. If I'm not mistaken, 2019, when the Bucks played Seattle in Seattle, that was Jamel Dean's first career start. And he was matched up with DK Metcalf the entire day. And, and those guys certainly made sure they were familiar with each other after this one as well. But five tackles for Jamel Dean. And uh, even though DK made a couple of plays, I, I thought Jamel Dean has had a pretty strong season so far this year, and I certainly thought he held his own out there today. Yeah, you know, Dean Dean was pretty hot and cold. He had some bad plays and a couple of good plays as well. I think he had a pass deflection thrown in there as well in his stat sheet. Um, so Dean, I thought, was was all right in this game. Of course, whenever you're going up against a guy like DK Metcalf, who don't even get me started, like that dude, he's good. He's really good. He got that dog in him. Um, and he's just a big guy. So, you know, it, it can be a tough wide receiver to cover. I feel like one of the tougher wide receivers to cover in the league. So I thought that, like you said, all things considered, given the circumstances, I thought Jamel Dean had a pretty good game. Um, was a little surprised, like, if they didn't put Carlton Davis on him more. But, you know, it ended up being all right. Um, like you said, Dean's had a really good year this year. I think that he's definitely earning himself a lot of money, either be it from the Bucks or from some other team in free agency. Um, and, and I thought that Dean Davis, they were uh, probably two of the best secondary members uh, on that team today. 
Yeah, I thought so too. Carlton Davis was right behind Jamel Dean on the stat sheet, had four tackles on the day and no picks or anything like that. But I do think since he has come back from injury, got to give some notice to Carlton Davis, who has been a little more of an aggressive tackler. He's been, you know, he's been shutting down some of these short passing plays and uh, setting the edge for this Bucks defense, which has been nice to see. He's been physical. Yeah, no, I I think that I really do think that, um, you know, Carlton Davis. Sorry, I saw something from Wishing B in the chat. Logan Hall is not on in the injured reserve. Um, I believe you're talking about Logan Ryan wishing. But to kind of go back to Carlton Davis, I still love Carlton Davis. He's still my hashtag number one corner. Dude's great. I, I really I really do think that uh, that Carlton Davis is a great cornerback. They gave him the bag. And he isn't playing like a guy who just gets a bag and then falls off. He's playing like a guy who gets the bag and keeps on playing good. It's a great thing to see. I think Carlton Davis is a really good corner. He's going to continue to be a good corner for the Bucs for a good long while. And he was going up against Tyler Lockett for most of this game, I believe, if that is correct, Rhett. Um, And I thought that he did a really good job in this matchup. He continues to just showcase his physicality. Like what you said, he's becoming more aggressive as a tackler. Uh, I love the style of play that... Uh, Carlton Davis has with just his physicality uh, not just in coverage but also in tackling now like you said seems like he's putting it together more and more as you know these seasons go on yeah I think the blueprint for a for a Bucks cornerback to succeed in this defense is kind of what Carlton Davis has brought to the table and even Jamel Dean just this season that physicality but a, a guy that kind of struggled today uh, due to a lack of physicality at times was Sean Murphy bunting. And listen, not to pick on SMB because Zion McCollum had a concussion, so he left this game. He's going to be something to monitor as the Buccaneers go into the bye week. We'll get an injury update on him eventually. But yeah, SMB, kind of a rough day. Gave up that late touchdown to Goodwin in the end zone, which you don't love to see. Um, what went wrong out there? Well... You know, that that's kind of that one that is kind of tough for me to say because I'm not necessarily a cornerback, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I played cornerback and school didn't go well, uh, so I, I'm not an expert. But, um, you know, in the case of SMB, I can't exactly pinpoint what went wrong necessarily. Maybe it was communication issues besides the besides the Goodwin touchdown, um, which I was just a great play by Goodwin and not great coverage by SMB. There was one play, Rhett, and I, I don't remember. I don't think it was a touchdown or whatever it may have been, but uh, SMB got turned around, and it was a very long completion. And Antoine Winfield Jr. had to make the um, had to make the tackle on the play. Yeah, or I believe Winfield Jr. had to make the tackle on the play. SMB was there as well. So, like, I don't know if it was communication issues, whatever it may be. I know Evans talked about it here. Uh, he's still serving his suspension. Um, you know, I but I know Evans talked about the idea of SMB just being really inconsistent, right? And I feel like we've seen that. And really, even going as back as far as last year with the elbow injury and him taking all that time off and coming back from that, we've just seen some inconsistency from SMB. And it's really unfortunate to see because I know there's a lot of people, a lot of fans, you know, kind of a fan favorite in some people's eyes. Um but he's just been really inconsistent, which has been unfortunate. Like you said, Zion McCollum being out, obviously that bye week is going to be huge, but maybe it's communication stuff. Maybe it's just some coverage issues and some inconsistencies, but SMB did not have a very good game today. Yeah, no, he did not. And uh, that's going to be something to monitor going forward. Hopefully he can rebound coming out of the bye week, but 
Let's talk about the pass rush for Tampa Bay. We talked about the secondary. We talked about the linebackers who played well. Levante David, obviously, always in that conversation. But three sacks on the day for this Buccaneers defense. One of them was a strip sack, resulted in a fumble. The Buccaneers' first takeaway on defense in five games. It has been over a month since the Buccaneers turned the ball over on the defensive side of the ball. Devin White was responsible for that one. But I wanted to talk about the other outside linebacker, Joe Tryon Shoyinka, the second-year outside linebacker from Washington, had a big sack today, and uh, he was a presence in the backfield. He has become a regular name in the backfield, if we're being honest. I mean, he has to finish, which he was able to do today, but he has looked good. And to be honest, I think he's really starting to get ahead of steam on him, and uh, hopefully he can continue to build on these next few weeks because the combination of him and Jannard Avery in there I mean, these guys have, have played well. And JTS, a huge sack today off of the bull rush. He's a big physical guy. Uh, I, I hope they continue to play well because the pass rush these last few weeks has looked good, even in the absence of Shaq Barrett. Yeah, and that was such a huge loss for them, right? You, losing Shaq Barrett. But JTS has is, is looked good. Uh, he moves to third now uh, for sacks on the team with three and a half behind Vita Vea and Devin White. Um and, and all in all, like you said, like I thought he had a really good quarter and a half. After that, he was a little bit quiet. Was still getting some pressure in certain situations, which I thought was good. Jernard Avery, I think, has been a, a pretty pleasant surprise. I was pretty excited whenever they signed him to the active roster or even to the practice squad. He's bounced around a little bit kind here a, and there. Kind of an unsung hero. You know what I mean? Like, like not a lot of people are talking about that that change because he hasn't made that one big play yet. I think he does have one sack. But, like, he hasn't really jumped out to a lot of people, and I think he's going to do that soon. Like, I don't want to get overly optimistic because with these depth guys, you kind of know what they are. But the more reps could be the better for a guy like 59. Well, no joke. Like, you know, like when he got signed back, it was like right in the middle of the preseason and training camp and whatnot. There may have been like a week left before the start of the regular season. Uh, People, I remember Pittsburgh because he came from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers media was actually very surprised that he was let go from the Steelers. They thought that he was a very good backup edge rusher, very good special teams guy. And, the and uh, you know, I think some of the Bucks media was also kind of in some ways almost assuming like, yeah, he's got a pretty good chance to make this roster. And he eventually did end up, you know, sticking around on the 53. And I think whenever you look at Avery, and then also I want to say too, like a guy like Anthony Nelson, he had a fumble recovery today, which was very heads up play by him. Um, so got to give him credit for that. When I look at Avery, you know, Carl Nassib, uh, Anthony Nelson, I think they have expiring contracts after this year. Um, maybe Avery's one of those guys that you can keep as a backup depth guy for the future. Because like you said, he's showing up. He's making a couple of good plays here and there. He's getting in the backfield with JTS. Um, the Bucs have, have themselves still some pretty good depth at edge rusher. Even without Shaq Barrett being there, we know that that is a devastating loss. Jannard Avery's been showing up, like you said, Rhett, an unsung hero type of guy. I'm very happy for him just because I was excited about the signing whenever it was made. I mean, I get excited about every signing, to be fair. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when that was made back in the preseason and whatnot, I saw a little bit of the hype from some of the respective medias from the Sealers and Bucks. And I thought, yeah, OK, this guy, you know, uh, let's see what he can do. I'm, I'm, I think this is going to be an interesting thing. And he's showing up. And I think that's good. And also JTS. Good game from him as well. Yeah, let's round thing. Uh, let's round this thing out with some special teams. Then maybe we'll criticize this team for just a little bit because they are not entirely off of the hook. We got some more bad stuff we got to talk about, but we're going to save that for last because the Buccaneers have won two games in a row 
and we are in a damn good mood headed into uh, headed into the bye week here on the Cannon Fire podcast. But first up, Ryan Suckup, the Iceman himself, uh, 0 for 1 on field goals today, only got three points off of PATs. He was wide right on a 52 yarder, I believe, from the left hash. But, um, you know, it's it's neither here nor there. It's it's hard to be mad at a guy like Ryan Suckup when he misses from 52 yards because he certainly made some from that distance, but I think most people know that the guy has his limits, you, you know, and, and right around 50 yards is when it's kind of going to be a crapshoot on, on how accurate he's going to be. Well, as long as 54 on the year, but like you said, I don't expect Ryan Suckup, you know, and this is going to sound, some people might think this sounds dumb, but I don't, I don't expect Ryan Suckup to consistently go out there and just bomb in 50 plus yards. That's not his game. No, it never yeah, has I, been yeah. his game. You know, so I, I think that Suckup still did fine today. I don't knock him too much for missing that field goal. I am curious, though. I thought about this whenever I saw him miss. I thought, man, is Red still going to get a Suckup jersey? No, listen, Suckup's my guy. I'm not going to give up on him that easy. I think he'll bounce back uh, here in a couple of weeks against Cleveland. So I, I think I'm still going to commit to uh, to getting a Ryan Suckup jersey. Now, I will say. I, I don't want to I don't want to get caught up on a technicality because I already promised I'm going to get one. But if he doesn't re-sign with Tampa Bay, which I think he's under contract, he is. But it, okay, so then I maybe don't have to worry about it. But if he is 100 percent going to be our kicker next year, then 100 percent I'll be rocking Orion Suckup jersey before you know it. You ain't going to get one for the memories. People have Martin Gramatica jerseys. Yeah, I mean yes, but I would hate to get a player's jersey just to never watch them play a game in that jersey again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he's, it's cooler. He's, he's, it's cooler to have a Ryan Suckup jersey when he's our kicker than after the fact. Like, I wouldn't go back and get a Cairo Santos or, you know, anyone like that. It's different, though. He won. He helped. He was part of the Super Bowl team. Oh, yeah, he was part of the Super Bowl team. You know, I'm so just by, basically by trying the to... way. How many Gramatica jerseys have you seen walking around now that I think about that? Like, I, like I know he's automatic a Gramatica, but I, I, I. I, I don't think I've ever seen a Martin Gramatica jersey in person. Like, yeah, unless he was not, wearing it. That might have not been the best example. But point <laughs> point being is that uh, I just need you to get a suck-up jersey. All right. All right. Well, listen, it's going to happen. And uh, we, you know, we're going to make it happen. I, I am a believer in Ryan Suckup, the greatest number three in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. Um, he'll be back against Cleveland. He'll be back. Just an off week. You know, you can't win them all. It is what it is. So, Jake Camarda, though. Let's talk about this guy. I, I mean, you're gonna get a, you, you're, you're going to get a Jake Camarda jersey. I'm going to get the suck up jersey. I thought that was the uh, the conclusion we had come to a couple weeks ago. But two punts, 122 yards, which means he is just averaging 61 yards a punt. I don't know how they let this guy into the facility five days a week walking around with a cannon for a leg. I mean, with a weapon that dangerous, they might want to keep an extra security guard on lookout for this guy. But I mean, he has been an absolute weapon for this Buccaneer special teams unit. He has been awesome. Camarda's got that dog in him. Uh, good Lord. Uh, you know, between between last week and this week, I think, what, like, I was waiting for Camarda to have some big-time punts, right? And and I don't know why he wasn't having them earlier in the season. Admittedly, in my opinion, he was, I thought Camarda, he was having He was having big-time punts week one against Dallas. He was just hitting the goddamn Jumbotron. Well, that is true, but but uh, but my my point is is that before these past two games, I think that it is fair to say that Camarda was struggling a little bit, right? He wasn't having the best year, but now between this game and last game, he's looking very comfortable. He's looking very solid. Like you said, he's bombing kicks. 
Um, he's got an absolute cannon of a leg. Aaron makes a good point in the chat where he says huge plus for our special teams because returners aren't even ex- – you saw it last week and this week. The returners aren't even expecting the kicks to be that long. So it, I think it's huge. Um, I really think that it is so, so important for the special teams to play, and it's something that this team has been missing um, for a little while now, uh, you know, in terms of special teams play and whatnot. So Kamarda continues to put in some good work. Very happy for the young guy. Really happy he's been able to turn it around after a little bit of a shaky start, um, you know, kind of in the, like, you know, in the middle of the season. But to be to be fair, everybody had a rough start. So all, all in all, I think that Kamarda had a really good, really, really good game. And I think a lot of what we can take from that for another week in a row, you know, I've kind of felt this way for a little while, but this rookie class of 2022 is really proving to be one of the better classes we have seen from Jason Light here in recent history. Like he has hit on some draft picks, but it feels like this entire class is contributing. Keeft is on the field. Kate Otten is on the field on a regular basis. Rashad White just had over 100 yards rushing today. Um, Jake Camarda is having one hell of a season. You know, like guys are showing up. They are producing. And I think when you can have four or more rookies in your draft class, go out there and be a contributor every single week. Like that's a win for, for a draft class for that particular year. So I hope these guys can stay consistent. But I mean, this draft class has been really, really good this year. Yeah, they've been putting in a lot of work. I mean, you know, somebody somebody said in the chat earlier that, you know, Kate Otten, maybe it was Willie, was like, you know, great acquisition, you know, star acquisition of uh, the offseason. I don't know if I'd go that far, but, you know, Kate Otten really has been able to do some fantastic work. Um, and I've been very happy to see what he's been able to do. Co'Keefe, like you said, has been a very good blocker in a lot of situations. He helps out with the run game. Jay Camarda is finally getting it going. Rashad White is finally getting it going. Um, these rookies are stepping up and whenever you look at the makeup of this team, it, a team that's in a win now mode that has to rely on a lot of veterans. I mean, this is just like, this is just add on, you know, uh, to have your rookie class step up this early, even Logan Hall, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't been stepping up to, he hasn't been getting as many opportunities. No, but He's he has a put a lot of-, of good film out there so far this year. I know he was kind of quiet this week, last week, but I mean, he's, well, he's that, been playing a part, you know? Well, th- well, that's also in part because of the fact that, you know, Keem Hicks is back and, you know, he's not going to get as many opportunities. But whenever he was playing a lot, he was showing some good stuff here and there. So all in all, like you said, this rookie class is really, really able to to um, showcase some good stuff. The Bucks, you know, I know a lot of people have given Jason Light a lot of flack for the free agency class of this past offseason, which I think is very fair. But. Uh, but Jason Light still continues to prove that he can draft pretty darn well. Uh, and we're seeing it in this draft class. And even, you know, Joey says here in the chat, Zon McCollum, you know, you know, some decent moments here or there. But um, really, you know, Keith, Otten, Camarda, White, those guys have been the stars of the draft class. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk about that Wildcat pass and then uh, let's get the hell out of here. So. This is the last thing I wanted to complain about. And this is one of those things where like Byron Leftwich had a pretty good week this week, but not all is is saved. Um, you know, I think the defense kind of bailing him out with the Devin White force fumble when the uh, or when the Seahawks were in scoring position really helped out Leftwich as far as hindsight. But um, I mean, what the hell was that, James? You know, here's the issue that I have with it is that a lot of people made a great point and they said that, you know, if that play call had worked, and Tom Brady didn't slip and fall 
and he shows off his 43-inch vertical. He goes up there, and he brings it down for a first down or a touchdown because they were in the red zone. If it works, we're not talking about it, and, and we're talking about how creative Byron Leftwich is and things like that. You know, oh, you can't fault him for not being creative, and that is true to a sense, but here's where I can fault him is that the Buccaneers showed Seattle that same exact offense five plays before they went and tried to throw the ball to Tom Brady. Like, like it wasn't the previous drive. It wasn't two or three drives before. It wasn't even a formation they have rolled out at any time this season. They haven't done that at all. And then all of a sudden they do it two times on one drive. And like the Bucs were in a position where they had a comfortable lead. They had a two possession lead. But you also got cute when you could not afford to get cute and it bit you in the ass in the worst possible way and it left points on the field because I'm not saying the Bucs were going to score, but with the way they were moving the ball today and with you know the way the offense was rolling, it felt like they could have scored on that drive. And I don't know who's responsible for that play call. I, I, you know what I mean? People are going to be pointing fingers all week and a lot of that play was just bad execution. Like, let's not put it 100% on the play call. You know what I mean? If it was executed and the play had worked, that's one thing. But it didn't, and it didn't work. So, here we are. Like, it it felt so short-sighted to give Seattle that look and then five plays later try and surprise them out of it. Because when you've got Tom Brady lined out wide, what the hell else is he going to do? He's either going to stand there and not do anything, or he's going to run around and maybe catch a pass. And, like... When you've already showed them one possibility of how that play is going to end up, how is it going to end up any, any you know any other way? Like you you weren't going to catch them by surprise, and and that's where I got incredibly frustrated because it felt like that kind of derailed the offense for a little while. Now I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, first, um, I want to talk about before I talk about this play, I want to talk about a couple of plays I really did like from Byron Leftwich that we haven't brought up yet. First is that fake screen. Oh, chef's kiss to that. Hey, give that him was, some credit. Give him some credit. That, I saw a great take that said the Buccaneers have taken nine weeks of the season to to fake that play and, you know, really try and sell it. But uh, yeah, that was a great play call. And I, I love that. That was such a chef's kiss money play. That was fantastic. The Wildcat, the first time they did it, blew my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, we actually have a, like, we, this is in the playbook. I was like, what is happening? Um, and I thought that I liked the creativity the, the second time they did it. Um, also, one thing I want to point out is uh, running on first down. Okay, and I alluded to this earlier, and I want to bring this up. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, fun fact, Rhett, uh, had 32, I think, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 28. What's 28 plus 4? 32. They had 32 first down plays in this game, right? 32. Oh, I know. I want you to guess. This is going to be a fun game we're going to play. I want you to guess how many times they ran it on first down. 23. Okay, yeah, you're right. Are you? Oh, for real? You're dead on the money. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's actually 23. It's actually actually 23. That's awesome. That was a gut feeling 100%. That's awesome. Thank you. 23 times. You're welcome. (laughs) 23 times they ran it on. I don't know if I'm hype or if I'm disappointed that I guessed that correctly. (laughs) 23 times they ran it on first down. 
uh, one kneel down and then eight times they passed it on first down. And look, this is fine, uh, you know, technically because hey, the running game was doing well, but holy crap, <laughs> that was that's incredible. So, uh, you know, if you want to talk about play calling, also think about that as well. But let's get to this play. I am gonna get so much flack for this. I did not hate it. I do agree. Oh, with well, of your course point. you didn't. I mean, I sorry. Go I ahead. agree. I agree with your point where you say, okay, they literally showed this formation five plays ago. And in my opinion, they should have threw it through it the first time because Brady was wide open on that first. Yeah. Time. I mean, they showed zero respect to the, uh, to the, you know, to the, to the burst speed of, of TB 12 out there wide. Yeah. And the first time they did it, Brady was wide open. The second time they did it, Fournette should have never thrown that pass. I mean, look, I don't know if the cornerback, Tariq Woolen, I think is his name. I don't know if he was supposed to be over there or not. That was just something he wanted to do. Um, But Seattle was ready for that. Why would you throw that, my man? It's What do you think? Like, look, and to be fair, like you said, if Tom Brady didn't slip and fall, it's going to be memed forever, by the way. Tom Brady's slipping and falling and kicking the cornerback. That is going well, imagine to if be they, imagine if they eventually. lost today. Imagine if they found a way to lose today. That yeah. would be the only thing we would see all week. Yeah. And look, I get it. It's still going to be mean until the end of time. Thankfully, the Bucks won. But you know what? And I get it. People are going to say, oh, you're running the risk of Brady getting injured. OK, that is fair. I mean, technically, every time Tom Brady drops back, he's also at risk of being injured because, you know, non-contact stuff, whatever. I'm nitpicking. But if Brady would have left up. And he would have just mossed that cornerback that I would have retired. <laughs> like I, I would have, I just would have, that would have, because I would have been the greatest highlight else. of all time. I wouldn't have had anything else to see in this life. So I, I, I don't, I don't hate it just because I want it to happen. You know, I just, and maybe they'll, I don't think they'll ever run that play ever again. But a man can dream, I, you know. And God, I, I hate and, to and say look, it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And Lenny shouldn't have thrown that pass, my man. What do you think? You're gonna throw a dot? What are you doing? I agree, Lenny shouldn't have thrown that pass. But I will tell you this: I guarantee you, and I'm not gonna put money down, but I guarantee you, last two weeks of the season, we're gonna see that play call at least one more time. And the only reason I say that is because last year there was a play call that they only did, I think, two or three times in the entire season. And they did it in the last home game of the year against Carolina in the regular season. It was the Scotty Miller end around. And I, I, I feel like I just I feel like this is one of those play calls where it's like on the same page as as a Scotty Miller end around to where it's like you kind of want to see it, but you don't want to see it. But if it works, it's awesome. But if it doesn't, it's the worst play in the playbook. You know, I get it because there is a novelty to it. The only reason I didn't like it is just because of the timing. It, it felt irresponsible. And with the Bucks not necessarily being a team who can consistently get points the way that they were able to do today, they didn't do it to the best of their ability, but it felt irresponsible to do it when they did it. You know what I'm saying? Like they had every opportunity to even if that was like fourth down and they don't get it and it falls incomplete, they could have got three more points. Like it was just, it was irresponsible. Yeah, that's, you know, again, that's fair. 
there's just a there's just a large part of me that literally just wants just wants that to work out because well, everybody, really everybody be. does everybody does seeing tom brady catch a football and be a legal man like that's awesome he already uh didn't he already throw a pass to himself as a buck wasn't wasn't that last year or the year before? I don't remember. I, I could have sworn, maybe someone in the live chat knows, but I could have sworn we've already had an instance of Tom Brady being an active receiver for Tampa Bay. I don't remember if the play officially counted or not, but I, I'm pretty sure he caught his own pass one time here. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. It would have been fun, but I mean, with a Bucks team that, you know, this week was the first week the offense has really won us the game, and it felt like they were getting a little irresponsible with a with an eleven point lead. Yeah, no, it is. I, like I, I didn't said, like that. Yeah, it is understandable, and you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not. I I get why people were mad. I do. I get it from both sides. Um, I get why people were mad. I don't think it's like a fireable offense or anything. It did. I think if, it the, was, I think if the Bucks lost this game, it's a hundred percent a fireable offense. And and uh, it was it was a pretty big momentum shift, and you know it it, it, was, it was a little sketchy there for a little bit, but you know hey everything worked out. It's a little but yeah, sketchy. That was but not a great play. Just like you said, everything worked out. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers victorious in Munich, Germany, twenty-one to sixteen over the Seattle Seahawks. They improve their record to five and five, and they also get another game ahead uh, and hang on to their lead in the NFC South division. So. With that being said, let's get some final thoughts out there as we head into the bye week. James, what do you think about this Bucks team at five and five who are who are starting to play some good football again? Yeah, you know, I really hope that this is like a sign of things to come for the offense and definitely some improvement. You know, I think that this is the best. I mean, Jesus, this is the best we've seen the offense the entire season. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a stretch. No, it's know? not. It's uh, not. And I want to see more of that. You know, obviously. I think that this is honestly like this is probably the offensive game, the offensive blueprint that this team wants moving forward for some reason. Um, you know, I mean, hey, they ran the ball well today. It, it worked the today. Yeah. yeah, you know, it worked. It, it worked today, and I think that the defense is still continuing to look good. Hopefully, this is a sign of things to come where the team is starting to look more and more complete, and they're able to showcase that more, especially coming out of the bye week. 100%. Shout out, by the way, to our buddy Richard T over here in the live chat. By the way, who woke up early uh, over there on the West Coast? So 6.30 a.m. this morning, kickoff for Richard T. He comes in clutch here with the Tom Brady stat. 2020 versus the Rams. Tom Brady threw it, batted down, caught it, and then went to throw it again and then got a penalty for a legal forward pass. I should have known that because I was at that game in person. Uh, Buccaneers obviously didn't end up winning that one, but it's all right. Just kind of a cool thing to see. And uh, you know what? I'll wrap it up with this. The Bucs are five and five, and I hate to say that they looked like a team that made me want to believe in them again today. But th- I mean, that that's exactly what it is. I hate to sound dramatic, but, you know, coming into this game, I was incredibly conflicted on what was going to happen just because you didn't know what kind of offense we were going to see. You didn't know how much progress we were going to see, because if that's something that the Buccaneers have not done a lot of this year, is get better week to week, at least in their losing efforts over the last month or so. So, you know, I think winning two in a row to go into the bye week five and five is a, is a huge deal. And uh, I, I think it really has shifted the momentum of, of what the guys on this team think is possible. And it's a clean slate. It's as clean a slate you can get coming out of the bye week. You're still first place in the division. You're a full game ahead. And when you're five and five, you're zero, zero. 
And and that's how these guys are going to look at it coming out of the bye week. Hopefully ready to play against Cleveland here in a couple of weeks. By the way, just to let you guys know, the official announcement will probably roll out today, but we are officially two weeks away from the second Cannon Fire Watch party of the year. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to do it again with our uh, friends over at Berry House Beer Company in beautiful Ebor City. Go follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to get more information, more drink specials, more food specials. We are running it back, and uh, hopefully the Buccaneers are ready to have some fun with us because <laughs> the last one wasn't too fun. And the last time we did a watch party in 2021 was coming out of the bye week against Washington. So we know how that game went. I'm not trying to plant the seed. I just want to keep it straight with you guys. But it should be a lot of fun. It is free to come out there and hang out with us, and uh, we'd love to see you. That's going to do it for this week's post-game episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube. Shout out to everyone in the live chat today. G Vegas and Willie Beeman, the moderators, holding it down. Bucks time 12, Amazement 717. Uh, Ricky T, Richard T coming in with the stat drop right when we needed it. Dark Angel, Bucks Nation 31, Tyler Belcher, and anyone else that I may have missed. We truly appreciate your guys' support. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. We will be live later this week with a brand new episode with former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. Evan may or may not be making his return for that one. I think his suspension is just about up. So uh, you should see some more of him here in the coming weeks. Like I said before, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Follow James and his great content. You can check out his written work and podcast at BoxNation.com. You can also find his awesome YouTube channel for daily box news at Mr. Box Nation. Anything in particular you're working on today or having the hopper, James? I want to make a video about Vita Vea. I'm going to be talking about him probably like, I don't know, tomorrow, whenever I get around to it. Uh, also, I'm doing more. I don't know if you guys have seen, but I've been doing a couple of videos this season uh, with those like kind of cool like bar graph racing type videos. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple more of those that I was able to make. Uh, so those will be up on the channel probably this week as well, since we're going into the bye week as for uh, some extra content. So I'm very happy uh, to be putting those up. I like making those videos. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, have a little bit of some uh, extra content coming out on the channel. Hell yeah. Last but not least, find myself on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Thank you guys again. That is the show for this week. I am your host, Trent Matthews, signing off for my co-host, James Hill. We will talk to you guys later this week with former Bucks quarterback Sean King and get his take on a Buccaneers win as they sit with a 5-5 five and five record. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thanks for watching, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.